Hey, this is Richie Fure from Buffalo Springfield, Poco, and the Sowler Hillman Fure Band, and you're listening to Follow Your Dreams with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is guitarist John Hall, a co-founder of the band Orleans, which had several major hits, including Dance With Me and Still The One. He's co-written songs with and for a host of artists, including Janis Joplin and Shaka Khan. And he's toured or recorded with artists like Jackson Brown, Bonnie Raitt, and Little Feet. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, John and I are going to do a song fest. We'll play a handful of his best works and we'll talk about them and you'll get the backstories and nobody else does this in podcasts. And as you know, I like to feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make the song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, my featured song is Spring Dance, from the album of the same name by my band, Project Grand Slam. Why? Well... I figured if you're going to dance with me, why not do a spring dance? I thought it worked. And a short disclaimer. I recorded this episode without my normal microphone. I used the microphone on my computer. So my voice sounds a bit strange and metallic, which may be an improvement. Who knows? In any event, here we go. So John Hall, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Thank you, Robert. Good to see you. Good to uh, uh, good to speak with you. All right. I got to go back a little bit here because one of the things that popped out at me as I was going through your background is that you co-wrote a song with Janis Joplin. Okay. So take us back to that. Well, actually, I'm sorry to say I did not co-write that song with Janis Joplin. I co-wrote it with my, um, my first wife, who's a terrific lyricist, and Janis Joplin recorded it and performed it from the day she she uh, learned it. She did it every show for the rest of her brief life. But uh, Johanna Hall was, uh, before she became a lyricist professionally, she was writing for the Village Voice in New York City and did an interview with Janice. And afterwards, Janice came over to our apartment on the Lower East Side. I was uh, probably playing guitar or reading a book or something and the knock at the door. And in, in walks my wife with Janice Joplin. And I was thinking, man, I should have changed the cat box. But we sat around and played and sang songs with an acoustic guitar. And I uh, played her some songs I'd written. And she turned to Johanna. She said, well, I like these songs, but it sounds like a young man wrote the lyrics. Why don't you, you're a woman, you're a writer. Why don't you write a song together for me? And we did. That's the first song that we ever wrote together. And it led to a career of writing songs for my band Orleans, but also for 
Millie Jackson for the Times and Linda Ronstadt and all kinds of other artists, um, Ricky Skaggs, Doobie Brothers and James Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been quite an amazing career that followed up with that one song. All right, I'm curious. First of all, what's the name of the song, if you can remember it? It's Half Moon. Half Moon. Okay, we got to play that song then a little bit. It was the B-side of me and Bobby McGee. Uh, it was also on her Pearl album, and she she did. It, was, it came out posthumously, unfortunately. What was the stage of her career at that time? It was uh, after she'd had Big Brother and the Holding Company, and then she went solo, and she had the Cosmic Blues album with the, the horns and everything, and then she started the Full Tilt Boogie Band, and this was the first record that they all made together. And she sang all the vocals on the record and then OD'd and was no longer, you know, with them to go on tour supporting it. It was unfortunately uh, one of those situations where a record comes out right after somebody dies and goes straight to number one. And it probably would have done that anyway, but, it, you know, it's, uh, it's a shame she didn't live to see her project be so successful. Yeah. You know, she was a, a, a member in good standing, so to speak, of that 27 club, right? Where all these great stars died when they were 27 years old. Just a shame because she was one heck of a star. Yeah, and I've wondered many times what she would have done since then had she lived, had she come across the idea or, or gotten help, you know, asked somebody for help. Because nowadays it's much easier to do that. Yes, I'm sure you're right about that. Okay, so after you did this work with Janice, you said it led to some other things. Did did it lead directly to Orleans being formed or tell us that process? What happened after that? Not exactly, but it led to my being asked by John Simon, who was a Woodstock resident and part of the Albert Grossman management coterie because he had produced, John produced the band and a bunch of other he produced actually a group called the circle you may remember and um Ball. yeah and uh so john asked me to play on uh seals and crofts album their second album uh, and i so i did i played guitar all over that record and then after that he asked me to go out with on tour with Ta taj mahal he recommended me to taj and taj uh, hired me and so that was a wonderful tour that was uh, all across the United States. Then I went to Europe after that with uh, Karen Dalton. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Karen, but uh, she was opening to, we were opening to Santana on a tour of the whole uh, European continent. And on the 13th show, which happened to be Montreux, Switzerland, she didn't get a sound check for the 13th time and refused to play. And the promoter was upset that there were thousands of people there. He said, we'll have a riot if nobody plays music. Somebody's got to play. So I went up there and I played 
I played my Stratocaster through a little Princeton amp or something and sitting on a stool in front of uh, Santana's big sound system, pushing the, making the Princeton sound like a wall of marshals. And uh, so, you know, we did half a dozen songs or so. She would not perform, so you performed in her stead. In Karen's stead, yeah. And um, and so, and I had Bill Keith, who was playing steel and banjo with uh, Karen, playing bass with me. And uh, Danny Hank and Karen Strand from Kansas, a uh, rhythm guitar player, uh, playing guitar. Was it all impromptu? I mean, you guys were... Well, yeah. I mean, it was. there were songs that we knew and that a lot of people knew, like... Jimmy Reed's uh, "Baby, What You, Baby, What You Want Me to Do," Ray Charles' song uh, "Well, I Feel So Bad," "Feel Like a Ball Game on a Rainy Day," and uh, you know we did just you know blues and R and B stuff, and then we closed with the Little Feet song "Don't Bogart That Joint, My Friend." Pass it over to me. Now, listen, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, the Montreux Jazz Festival is like one of the biggest festivals in the world, okay? And back then, it was absolutely at the top. So you guys are up there jamming and kind of improvising in front of this entire crowd. That must have been a wild scene. It was especially wild when we finished. And uh, there was a standing ovation and people holding up matches and lighters. And, and the promoter said, I have to do one more song because we hadn't rehearsed any songs let alone one, one more song. So we did some other, you know, uh, Wilson Pickett or something, you know, and uh, and on the way home, because she got kicked off the tour after that, no no headliner wants an opening act who won't play. And if you're an opening act, you have to understand that whether the contract says soundcheck or not, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean it. So on the way home, I said to myself, we got to, I got to start a band and uh, and do... Johannes and my songs and and uh and just be surrounded by you know the best musicians I could find and that started being a band in Woodstock at a club called the Cafe Expresso there where you know players would come and go and in December of 1971 Wells Kelly joined and in January of 1972 Larry Hoppin joined the band and we called it Orleans in late January of that year we did a show in upstate New York and we were trying to think of a name. And we've been doing a lot of sort of Alan Toussaint meters, Neville Brothers kind of covers, and trying to inject that feel into our own music. And uh, and Wells said, uh, how about Orleans? And we went, okay. And it stuck. So it had nothing to do at all with, you know, I don't know. It was an odd name, you could say, okay, because you guys were not from New Orleans. But, you know, it worked, right? Names are names, and it worked. Yeah. The town of Orleans uh, on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, thinks we wrote it about that town. And there are some people that have told me that early on, France uh, is fond of us for similar reason. But anyway. I just had Richie Fure on the, on the podcast, and we were talking about how they got the name Buffalo Springfield, okay? which came from the excavation equipment that was made by a company called Buffalo Springfield. Now, nobody would ever think of that as a name of a rock band, but it worked and it became one of the greatest names of all time. Orleans worked too. Yes, it did. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller. 
Live at Steel Stacks is the new five-song EP by my band, Project Grand Slam. It absolutely captures the band at the top of our game. Musicians and reviewers alike have praised the recording, saying things like, captivating music. Project Grand Slam burns down the house. Virtuoso musicians and such a great band. You can stream live at Steel Stacks on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or any of the other streaming platforms. And you can download it from the PGS store. The links are all in the show notes to this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so yet. You can do so and you can listen to our 100 plus episodes just by going to our website at followyourdreampodcast.com. So join me each episode as we go on a world tour to my listeners in 200 countries. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. All right. So tell us about that. You know, you formed this band. You've got the the two brothers in the band with you, and you had the the first hit, still the one. Tell us your recollections and feelings about that all these years later. Well, Still the One was on our fourth album. We had made two albums for ABC, which a lot of our hardcore fans think are really good, especially the first one. Some people think it's our best album. But um, the third album, Chuck Plotkin produced for uh, David Geffen's Asylum Records label. Uh, Larry Hoppin wrote this song with Johanna called uh, Let the Music, which was the first single The next single was Dance With Me. It got it got to number five or three or two, depending on what city you were in. Dance with me. I want to be a partner. Can't you see? The music is just starting. Night is falling. And I am falling. Dance with me. Fantasy. I hope that you are willing
And, uh, you know, that was the first time that most people heard Orleans, you know, around the world and around this country, the United States. So uh, it was kind of a soft country, like California rock kind of sound. Uh, although the band had been doing a lot of R&B and funky, you know, funky music, we, we uh, prided ourselves on and sort of patterned ourselves after that instrumentally. And we always had the, the three-part harmony on top. So, so when Dance With Me came out, we went on the road with, uh, with uh, Melissa Manchester when she had the song Midnight Blue on the charts. And so both, both of the biggest hits of the headliner and the opener, we were, we were the opener, were these kind of softer tunes. And then the bands were playing a lot of uh, more energetic stuff and, and funkier music than that. So it was interesting. It was, you know, watching the audience. Our audience thought, hey, you guys have sold out and gone commercial, quote unquote. Which my mother-in-law said, uh, "What does commercial mean? It just means more people like you." <laughs> but you know, we just—that was the first impression we made on a lot of people. The record company kind of push you towards that softer sound after that song. No, not at all. Nope. We came up with the songs. Chuck Plotkin produced. Uh, Chuck, who has you know produced several Bruce Springsteen albums, and and. Uh, Brendel, the sort of legendary supergroup uh, with Wendy Waldman, uh, Carla Bonoff, Kenny Edwards, and Andrew Gold, uh, LA group, all went on to great things in their own careers. But Chuck heard that song and made us cut it three times. We cut the rest of the stuff on the record, you know, e easily and one time. But with that song, he was convinced we didn't have it quite right yet. And we, we tried. Um, several different ways before we got the version he was satisfied with and that's the hit version that everybody's heard that's it's good when you work with someone who's qualified enough and has good enough ears and experience to know when it's not quite right because you know the, i think the last 10 percent or 15 percent or maybe five percent of any creative endeavor that last 10 percent is what gets you from okay or pretty good to really good or great and so uh we'll try to learn to do that ourselves since then all right so i screwed up dance with me was your first hit tell us what happened after that well uh after the tour with uh with melissa manchester orleans kept playing we had uh, a big following in the northeast uh, United States and in the New England states and New York and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and so on. And then we were writing songs and working them out and rehearsing and playing them. And we had we owed another album to Asylum Records, so we cut that record and got an offer to play opening to Jackson Brown uh, all over the United States, uh, three month tour which was just fabulous. That was, you know, he was the running on empty tour. So uh, the record had just come out and he was promoting it and had uh, the, the section behind him, uh, Lee Sklar and Russ Kunkel and Wadi Wachtel and that, that crew. And um, so it was a great tour. It was fabulous. And still the one was peaking in, on the charts. So 
we uh, I think we made a pretty good a pretty good pairing. And Jackson has remained a friend. I, I actually played on, if I remember correctly, I played on his song "Here Come Those Tears Again" before we actually went on tour with him. But uh, he's a friend to this day. Well, you know what? We're going to be playing that song anyway, so let's just hear it right now. This is Jackson Brown, and here come those tears again. Tell us about, you know, your performance on that song and uh, your further, you know, relationship with Jackson Brown afterwards. Okay. Well, I was a big fan of Jesse Ed Davis, uh, who played guitar with Jackson on a bunch of records and, and actually played with Taj before I played with Taj. So uh, I was kind of felt like I was following in Jesse's footsteps going in to do the session. And you know, I just love that solo that he did on Dr. My Eyes. So I walked in the studio and, and Jackson was in the control room with his engineer and a couple other people. And he said, why don't you plug into the board and you can learn the song while you're in here. And uh, we'll just play it and I'll tell you when you're supposed to take it. And so, uh, so I did. And they played the song, you know, played the track. And the engineer fortunately hit the, the red record button uh so that the the two inch 24 track machine was recording what i did while i was learning the song and that wound up being the version that's on the record i they said wow that's really good why don't you go out in the studio and uh, we'll we'll get an amp sound and you can do it again you know so doing it again doesn't necessarily mean doing the same thing it's doing something similar with a better sound or a different sound a more distorted sound. But we kept coming back to that very first take and they wound up running the sound uh, electronically out in the studio through an amplifier, miking the amplifier and running it back into the control room. So it sounds like an app. And then I harmonized with it an octave down. So you basically, you, they took the demo version, if you will, and they used that in the final. Yeah, Jackson told me that that's what happened with Jesse Davis. Who's got a new record out, by the way, and it's posthumously with him because I'm sorry to say he's no longer with us. But yeah, that was one of few magical things that had happened. You know, I, I had uh, Elliot Randall on the podcast who did those wonderful solos on Steely Dan's Reeling in the Years. Sure. And he told a story that was kind of the, the, the polar opposite of what you just said, because he went in and he played the solo the first time on Reeling in the Years, and everybody loved it. They said, this is perfect. We're going to use it. And the assistant engineer said, uh, I'm sorry, but I forgot to hit the record button. So, oh, no. <laughs> so they never got it on, on tape. He had to redo the whole thing again. Oh, boy. That first rule of recording, always hit the record button, right? That's right, yeah. When in doubt, record it. All right. So you, you had these great tours with Orleans. You know, you were the opening act. I assume you did some touring with you guys as the lead act as well. Am I correct? Oh, we did plenty. We did plenty of that. And uh, and we did some touring with uh, 
little feet. I did some John Hall. I made after I left Orleans, after that album, I went solo and made a couple of solo albums and and uh and then a couple of John Hall band albums and and we toured opening to Little Feet and um uh Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band and you know various other people. And we did a lot of headline shows. And then I got back together with Orleans again uh in 1986 when Wells Kelly, our original drummer, died. We got together to, for a memorial um in Ithaca, New York, uh, and sang together and went, oh wow, that's why we really like doing this. <laughs> yeah, we had a little friction in the band. Um as many bands do. Okay, so John, tell us what you're doing these days. You're back in music. What's next for John Hall? Well, um, I uh, made a record last year, 2021, uh, called Reclaiming My Time. I think it's a really good record. It did really well uh, last year at the Americana radio format. And uh, we cut a bunch of videos for it, which you can see by going to johnhallmusic.com. But, uh, you know, we've got a new and the most recent thing I did is uh, another song, I Think of You, which is the opening track on the record. Uh, we've got a brand new video that's going to come out. Um, and that song will be released as a single after the first of the year. So that's it. I, I, uh, that's the most recent thing. I'm, I'm writing new songs and hoping to make a new record next year. Terrific. We have been speaking here with John Hall, who has had quite a career. John, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been terrific to have you on. Thank you so much, Robert. And uh, I uh, hope we get to speak again sometime soon. And uh, next time I'll talk in shorter sound bites. We'll, we'll see how well we can edit this. Um, and now <laughs> okay. we're going to listen to the song that started off the uh, the episode. It's my song called Spring Dance. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.